Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. Hey guys, before we get to today's episode of Corner 3, I just wanted to give you guys a reminder about the Cyclone Basketball Game Watch and fundraiser that we'll be doing on Saturday, February 12th uh, for our our good friend uh, Nick Bassett, who obviously recently passed away. All of the money from this event that it's going to be at lucky horse beer and burgers down on university ave here in des moines obviously bruno has done a a lot of work with us at cyclone fanatic here in the past several years Um, all the money that's that's raised will be going to nick's family Uh, there's gonna be a silent auction we're gonna do some more stuff to raise some money and then you know the gathering's gonna start around one o'clock ahead of iowa state's game against kansas state on saturday it's unfortunate that uh that that we had to do it on a day that's a a home game but uh just the way that the the schedules worked out and then 100 percent of the cost of a ticket which is 20 dollars, is going to go to the nick bassett family uh i think we've capped the tickets uh i want to say around I'm not even going to guess. I know the tickets are limited, but we've still got quite a few left. Uh, $20. You can find the information. Uh, we did an Eventbrite. You can find it on Chris's Twitter. Uh, I'll pin it to the top of the Cyclone Fanatic Twitter, and then I'll make sure that it gets on the Cyclone Fanatic homepage here within the next several days. That's the uh, Game Watch event that we're doing for Nick Bassett and in, in his memory and, and doing raising money for his family on Saturday, February 12th. Just wanted to give you guys a reminder to check that out and come hang out with us at Cyclone Fanatic on Saturday at Lucky Horse. All right, time for the podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It's corner three here on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast network. Uh, recording on a Sunday evening, as always, presented by our friends at Mechdyne. Huge night for Mechdyne with uh, Williams and Bloom recording their podcast already. And now uh, they're getting an episode of corner three as well to uh, to start another week. Scott Christopherson, this is not going to be a very fun podcast, I don't think. No, I, I did my post-game Twitter video earlier today, and that was my theme was these are a lot more fun to do when the Cyclones play well. Yes, uh, and they played okay for about 16 minutes on <laughs> on Saturday in Austin. Uh, had a chance to take a five-point lead into halftime and then promptly, I want to say, missed a three-pointer, uh, turned it over once and then had another turnover and all of a sudden you go from where you're up 23 to 20 with two minutes left uh in the first half to being down 25 23 when marcus Carr hits a three-pointer as time expires on the uh on the first 20 minutes what uh what were your overarching thoughts man i felt like from the second they gave that lead back at the end of the first half it was uh it was all downhill from there Yeah, I think especially on the road in a game like that, getting to halftime with a lead is a big mental, that's a big mental win for teams. You know, you can get into half, you're up, kind of regroup. And the way that they gave the lead away, you know, an alley-oop dunk, just a a horrible turnover. I mean, there's no reason that Iowa State shouldn't have either taken the last shot or heck, I would have preferred we just dribbled the clock out. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and then they come down and hit a three as time expires. So, you know, not only do you not have the lead going into half, but it's just, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. You pissed it down your leg. Right. And and you just, it, that care, you carry that with you. And I thought they carried that with them throughout the entire second half. Yeah. And then it doesn't help when you're able to cut it to 
uh, I think it was 36 to 38. Yeah. 36 to 38 with 12 and a half minutes left on a Tyrese Hunter free throw. Uh, and then you don't score for more than seven minutes. Uh, and they did not make a field goal. I think for something like nine minutes, uh, and then you go from being down two to being down 17 uh, at the high water mark, they're down 23, but it just, man, it, I, I, I don't even know. I don't know what to say, man. I, I don't know what to say because <laughs> the, the things that became an issue during a stretch where Texas scored 15 points in seven minutes, like that's not good. <laughs> you know, yep. that that's not, that's not prolific by any means, but so it doesn't mean they were defending poorly, but man, they were stuck on 36 points for like half an hour of real time. 63 is a winning number or should be a winning number in a lot of college basketball games. And, and we got blown out. That, exactly. 63. Exactly. And you scored 41 points two weeks after you scored 44 in your own gym. I mean, every time they hit a low in scoring you're like, well, there's no way they're going to only, they're going to score less than 44. And then they score 41, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and it, I think my problem, and this was even my thing when I I sat down to write after the game, like I'm sitting there like, shit, what do I even say? You know, I I mean, I've said every, like we've said all these things, everything that continues to pop up over and over again, it's the same stuff, you know? And it doesn't, I don't really at this point expect that much of it to change, you know, because it just is, it's just annoying things. It's dumb things. It's stupid little mistakes. It's getting a two, five second calls in like a two minute span. That's unacceptable, man. Like put the ball Especially on the floor. You, they didn't even something. use their dribble. Right. Exactly. Like they were getting crap pre- pressed and they're dribbling. They pick it up. You know, they didn't even use their dribble. I don't know that I've ever seen that it look, happen. It looks like somebody game. was playing 2k and the controller died, you know, <laughs> like that, that that's, it's crazy, man. And that, and it yeah. was, to the point where the game got over. And I mean, I think I even texted you, there's four or five minutes left. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. They were going to be down eight or 10 or something like that. I was like, man, they don't deserve to win at this point. Like, because they haven't even, they haven't done the things that it would require for them to win. And if Texas would have pissed it away at that point, I would have been like, man, shame on Texas for letting this team win because this, they didn't deserve to win this basketball game. And I don't know, that was really frustrating for me as I kind of just rambled for a second. So here are some of the things that I I see. I was thinking about this today. So coming into this year, they're picked unanimously last and they come out of the gate and prove everybody wrong. And they're 12 and 0. And they had some really impressive wins. I mean, handily beat Iowa at home, you know, where they just, Iowa is, you know, potent offense looks Mm shell-shocked. You know, we go on the road to Creighton and, and go through one of these long scoring droughts, but win anyways. And we come into the, the, conference season we can't help but have high expectations for this team i mean they're ranked in the top 10 but the entire time in non-conference season there was never back-to-back games in the entire non-conference season where i thought to myself man they really executed tonight offensively Mm -hmm. but they were turning teams over so much and now and then they were turning those points into offense to kind of get them through and get them over those humps well, that's not happening now. They're still forcing turnovers, but whether it's because these big 12 teams are better at transition defense, or it's just the types of turnovers that they're forcing, would we have one point in transition? Yeah. I was just going to say there, there are some truly 
you know, I tweeted it. Like, I, I don't like to make comments like this that often, but I tweeted out, it was comically bad, dude, because there are yeah. some statistics in this game that are truly remarkable. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this points off of turnovers. So Iowa state had 18 turnovers, Texas had 12, uh, which is, you know, 12 turnovers is not a small number by any means. It's probably a little bit more than what Texas averages on a normal night. Texas scored 24 points off of Iowa state's 18 turnovers. Iowa state scored two off of Texas, 12 turnovers. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that mathematically could be replicated very often, you know, and, and I, I don't remember Texas having a ridiculous amount of dead ball turnovers where they're throwing the ball out a lot of bounds. Mm -hmm. And like, you're getting shot clock violations. And I mean, I I know they had a couple, you know, but of those 12, I mean, I'm sure that a, a well over the majority were live ball and they still didn't take advantage of them at all. And that's just, it just is a glaring thing when you look at it and then you see the other team get live ball turnovers and it's a, it's the easiest fast break you've ever seen a team run, you know, right. and that gets really like, that just gets really frustrating. It gets to where, you know, I imagine TJ and his staff, like sometimes are like, what, like, what do you even need? Like, what can you do? Like, what are we well, supposed to do? You force the turnover. Like we got to score now, you know, I, I think early in the season, I don't know what the exact statistic is, but you know, it felt like we were getting anywhere from like 15 to 20 transition points off of turnovers mm-hmm. in a game. Well, you get 15 or 20 in this game and that's a ball game, Yeah, but you don't get that. And you, you get, you get blown out by 20 only giving up 63. And then, so the, 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 the points off of turnovers has really gone away and died down in league play. And then we're, we're trying to play half court offense against some of the best defenses in the country. I said, coming into conference play, the level of scouting, the detail all goes up, you know, Isaiah Brockington is the one player on this team that can consistently create his own shot and make them but he's not a facilitator. Like Isaiah can get you 20. He can get you 25. He can grab 10 rebounds and win his matchup defensively, but he's not a guy that you can put the ball in ball screens at the top of the key. And he just facilitates offense and everybody can play off of that. Tyrese a year from now, two years from now is going to be a guy. I think we're talking about as an all big 12 first team player or a guy that could be the big 12 player of the year. But right now, today, as a freshman, he's learning on the fly in the best defensive league in the country. And you can tell there are times where he gets out of rhythm and he doesn't feel comfortable being aggressive. Those are the two guys that can make plays consistently. They have the, the, the athletic ability and the skill to do it. And really only one of them right now is ready today, game in and game out, to do it on a consistent basis. Everybody else are very good players. I'm not trying to take shots at anybody or anything like that, but these are not guys that can create for themselves. And I don't think they're really guys that are great at making decisions Mm -hmm. on the fly in the half court. So we're going and we're playing against these teams that are, are, are scouting everything to death. We've got one playmaker most nights. And then some nights when Tyrese gets in a rhythm, like he did against Texas, we've got two but to play high level offense against in any of these major conferences, but especially in the big 12, you got to have three guys that can make shots and make plays. Right. And so am I saying that the season's over and we're doomed? No, 
I'm trying to find the balance between, I don't think this team is a three and seven team in the big 12. I think they're better than what they're capable of, but I also don't think they're, they're what they've shown. They're more capable 10. than what they've shown. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer, so the question and the riddle that TJ and his staff have got to try to solve is like, all right, we've got what we've got. Trey King can't play. There's no mm. recruits coming in. How do we make it work? And I think somewhere along the line, the players have lost a little bit of confidence and belief in themselves. Like early in this season, this team played like they were afraid they were going to suck. Yeah. And they played with a certain fire and a certain intensity on both ends of the floor and a certain level of focus. And I think somewhere along the way, we started to be like, well, we're pretty good. We're in the top 25 and they're not wrong. Like uh, they're not wrong to like, build some confidence, but we lost sight of the little things, the little executing a pass, uh, putting the ball on the ground and giving yourself an extra four seconds to let a guy get open, cutting with more purpose, cutting the, the cross court, careless turnovers out. We lost sight of that. And I think if this team can get back to playing, like everybody thinks they stink and they play pissed off, like they've got something to prove they can probably overcome only having one or two primary playmakers and win three, four, five games of the of what's left. But if they continue to come out, like we play offense, like we think it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to get 70. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have our margin for error is so thin. We can't afford to just give it away at the end of the half and give the, the lead away. We can't afford to just, I'm not going to look and make sure the guy got open on his cut. I'm just going to fire it. Or there's a guy he's kind of open cutting to the basket and I'm going to try to like rifle it in there. Like I'm the quarterback threading the needle between the linebacker and the safety. Like we don't have that type of wiggle room. So mm -hmm. like everything we do needs to be sure handed on the offensive end of the floor. And if we run the shot clock down, and a guy takes a shot within five seconds, or we, we ask Isaiah to take 20 shots in that scenario and he only makes six of them, then we compete. We, we probably take the loss and we go home, but we don't get blown out. We don't have like a just complete no-show for a half. So that to me is the riddle that they've got to solve. And I think the only way that this team solves it is to go back to playing with that us against the world we're pissed off and we're going to show you guys that we're better than what you think that like they had the first half of the season. Yeah. I mean, you put that as well as I think you'd anybody possibly could. And it just, there was a point even yesterday where you could tell that the swagger was all the way gone. You know, they were a beaten up team and it just, Isaiah kept playing really hard, but they, I mean, they started giving up some offensive rebounds and things like that, that, you just sit there and you're like, man, these guys just look defeated, worn out. How, how many like, Texas open, broke their will. You know? How many open threes did Texas take? And that's been something that in big 12 play, I know some of the fans were saying that they were frustrated because TJ keeps talking about defense and not, we don't really talk about offense. And I get that. Like, I, I think there's some things we could do differently offensively. Yeah. And I'm not trying to critique TJ. I'm just saying like, I get the fans saying like, Hey, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? But to TJ's defense, we're giving up six or seven wide open threes every game. And in TJ's defense, 
watch those guys play offense. I think TJ, TJ knows the, like TJ watches them every day. He knows what they can do. You know, (laughs) like he's the one who sits there and is like, man, I'm looking at what we can do. And I think the only way we can win is if people do not score, you know, 100%. And like, and it's a, it's an unfortunate way to put it, but man, talking about being a defensive toughness minded team can mean a lot of different things, you know, and this team has done a really good job of embodying that. But sometimes you are you're leaning into something out of necessity, you know. Well, and we and, we we didn't give up those six or seven or eight wide no, open threes early in the season. We didn't give up five or six dunks. I mean, how many dunks did Texas have? And Texas doesn't even have a great front court. No, their front court is. I mean, in the first half, I was sitting there and like, who, like, where the hell did they find these freaking weirdos? Like Trey right. Mitchell was throwing the ball up in the air and you're just like, and I was like, what, like what in the hell? Like Timmy Allen looked like he had cinder blocks tied to his shoes. Like, I don't know if they hit six street or something on Saturday night or like what the deal was, but they like, those guys did not look very good. And then, I mean, in the second half, they, they just wore Iowa state down, like the physicality of the game. And, you know, that was one thing that you and I were texting about. Like, I can appreciate the fact that they were, driving to the rack, which mm-hmm. is a, what's a change from at different points this season, but man, it started to get where you're driving to the rack and throwing the ball up. So crazy, trying to draw foul. Like it's not going to amount to anything anyway. Cause you're not going to probably draw foul that way. Even at the end well, of the day, and, and I think you've got to, you've got to realize when you're driving And this, I look, they need to keep driving the ball, but mm-hmm. don't go on the road in the big 12 looking to drive the ball and expecting to get the call from the ref, right? Like Not winning on the road is hard. You want to know why winning on the road is hard. You're in somebody else's gym. Their fans are into it. Yours aren't, but you're not getting that 50, 50 call. They are. And you can, Oh, it shouldn't be this. That's life in college basketball folks. So rather than driving into in there, and I've seen, I've seen this out of Tyrese, especially I've seen him have drives where I'm like, wow, when he figures out that that's the way you need to attack with a little bit of like, you know what, this I'm, I'm getting this one to the rack and I'm getting my shoulder on you. I'm initiating the contact and you can deal with it. When he gets that, where it's like, I'm going to do that 10 times a game. He's going to be an all league player in, in, in his defense, it takes most players two and a half or three years to get to that point. So I'm not criticizing him, but like I, with Isaiah now, I love him putting the ball on the ground, but don't go in there looking for a foul call. You're 200 pounds. You got muscles popping out of muscles. Go in there looking to punch one on somebody and initiate the contact. Yeah. Because they're the, the refs are not going to bail you out in this league. This is not going to happen. There was an element early in the year. Man, these guys were mean. They you were, know, they, 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 were, were they were afraid mean. of they, yeah. the best way I can describe it is it was like, they were afraid that what everybody was saying about them was going to be true. And right. so they played like, if we don't come out, like our hair is on fire, we're going to get embarrassed. Right. And that's not there right now. And I, it hasn't I, been there for several games. I think the best example of that, like, look at what the way jazz has really played during league play, you know, especially offensively, man, I don't think you would have ever thought like, like jazz looked like a crazy person on the court during the non-conference play. And it just does not seem like that's there anymore. You know, like, I don't know if it's just, if it's getting tired, like you're just worn down or like what the deal is, but I don't know. Like it, these guys don't seem to have that same edginess to them, you know? And 
I think that that was such an important part of what made them them, you know, and they- I, I do not buy into the fact that they're tired. I, look, I, I played for Greg McDermott and I played for Tom Crean. We were running three hour practices the entire season with Mac. We were running sprints the entire season. I don't know exactly what their practice plans are, but my understanding is that most of their practices are 90 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So t- I think TJ believes in like, we're going to get in and we're going to be super intense, but we're, I'm not keeping these guys here for two and a half or three hours. And like the team that I played on at Marquette, there was no issue with guys being tired and, and wearing down it, it with Mac, my year playing for him, we wore down more mentally than we did physically. That just wasn't a very mentally tough team, but like it, I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that that's what's holding this team back offensively. There's just too many things they don't execute from a mental standpoint that I'm like, that's not a, my legs are tired. Like, are there shots where Isaiah doesn't have quite the same lift late in the second half? And I'm like, yeah, he's a little gas because he's played 38 minutes. Sure. But I don't see that. Like, I don't look at that game on Texas and be like, man, we just, we look tired. I look at the game at Texas and be like, man, where was the crazy team I saw the first 12 games of the year? Right. Where they were just in for, like incredibly afraid of being embarrassed because I I haven't seen those guys in several weeks. Yeah, because now they've been. I mean, I would argue they've been embarrassed several times in the last three weeks between TCU, Kansas, and then now this. Even going back to that last one against Texas Tech, you know. I mean, it just it's unfortunate because, like I said, I I don't know you and I don't I don't think you and I have an answer. Like we, we can sit here and say these things, but just eventually like it just has to someone just has to do it you know well and there's nothing we're gonna say that's gonna make this team different from a personnel standpoint offensively the only thing that they can do is 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 if something comes back to them where they get where they're back in that mode like they were the first 12 games of just their mentality was so intense that's that's what it's got to be well in my opinion if they better not be tired uh because they've Got it coming right around the bend again. I mean, right off the bat, you're going on the road now to West Virginia to play a, a solid West Virginia team that you know is going to be hungry for a win. They're trying to keep their pacing to go to stay in the stay in the NCAA tournament. I mean, talk about an unforgiving back-to-back. But, you know, yeah, that's no, how it goes in the Big 12. I mean, where you just get you get 48 hours basically to, to get ready to go. Um, what what are you going to be looking for in this one? I, I I don't know. I, I think we just need to see that edginess. I want to see it early on in this game because you know, West Virginia is going to have it. That's yeah. No, I would just say that and it needs to be sustained, right? Like we've seen this team stay in games for, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes, but it needs to be from beginning to end. And we need to leave this game on Friday night, just be or not on, on Tuesday night, excuse me, where it's like, Iowa state was just like, they were crazy again. You know, their, their defense are rotations and there, there were no wide open threes given up. There were no layups or dunks at the rim. This team was on every loose ball. When they got their turnovers, they got out in transition and they try, you know, they, they, they pushed the envelope to convert. I don't expect them to be great on offense. I don't expect a, all of a sudden we're just, per, you know, super precise in our half court execution. But what I expect or what I hope to see is, enough of the silliness Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you pointed out two 
five second calls without using the dribble, having the chance to take the last shot of the half. Which I, I actually do want to say something about those five second calls because this has changed since when you played. They changed the rule where if you have a, I'm like 99% sure this is right. They changed the rule where if you are maintaining your dribble, there is no count. So literally all you have to do is dribble the ball and you won't even get a count on you, right. which is what is so ridiculous about that. But continue what you were saying. Yeah, no, I mean, just all, all the things that I feel like you and I have talked about now for a couple of weeks is just as far as like, I think we can all move on from the idea that this is going to be a team that evolved as much as much, or I'd hope that they would evolve some more offensively. I don't think it's going to happen for them. If they're going to win games, it's going to be by overcoming it with all the things we just talked about. I think that the moment that they start to buy back into that, we'll be working again towards something. But if, if we continue to be a team that thinks we're going to show up and just kind of casually on offense, get to 65 or 70, I think this team will continue to struggle. I do think that you make a good point. Like they, they conduct themselves offensively. Like they think it's a no brainer. They'll score 70. They need to take care of the basketball. Like they're, they're scared. They're only going to score 30, you know, like that's the importance of every possession for them offensively. I mean, it's just, and and we've seen, you know, each one of the nine guys that play, we've seen them have bright moments like Trey Jackson. You were very complimentary on our last podcast about him. And I think in the Kansas game, we saw the best of Trey Jackson, I think in against Texas, we saw why you maybe at one point in time, you were a little skeptical of Trey Jackson. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a player like him. And you, I could go down the line, Gabe, uh, George, uh, all of them. Right. And, and point to games where they really had it. Like, you know, George is almost getting a double double or, you know, Caleb's coming off and, and striping five threes out of six, you know, Trey taking care of the ball, knocking down shots and then trying to be, you know, uh, I don't know, Monte Morris out there or something. Right. It's each guy just being like, here's what I can bring to the fold when I'm playing well. Here's what I've done. And here's what I've done when we when I when I'm not helping this team. And they need eight, seven or eight of those guys to each night to do what's had them be successful because this team does not have enough playmakers where we can only have three or four guys just carry us the whole night. We need, right. we need seven guys to contribute. They don't have to go and get 15, but they need to bring some things to the table offensively. And there just have been way too many nights. Like it, like with Caleb, he's a great example. One night he gets five shots. Then he goes three games and he makes two total. And he might attempt five in three games. Correct. You know, Gabe's been a guy – one night he gets 30, then he goes one for 10. Obviously some of that is skill and shot making, which this team is who they are in that regard. But I look at a lot of it too and say, a lot of it's how they approach it. A lot of it, like there are nights I can just tell Caleb is really dialed in. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I know he's going to make a couple of shots. And then there are nights where I'm like, he's going to shoot it out of obligation a couple of times. And I just hope one of them goes in because he doesn't look the same that he did against Oklahoma state where he comes out and buries five threes. I've seen it with like Gabe against Kansas was that was perfect. Gabe couple of cuts to get layups, two straight line drives to get a couple of layups. He went one for five from the three point line. I'm not saying that he's a 20% three point shooter, but that's not out of character for him this year. But like, 
he found multiple ways to have an impact on that game in a positive way without shooting us out of it. That needs to happen night in and night out for him. Yeah. You know, Caleb needs to find a way to knock down a three or two night in and night out. Trey Jackson, same thing. Jazz has got to find ways. You know, Jazz has been a guy winning basketball plays. That's been the name of the game for him. But since we've gotten into league play, there's a lot less of them. I mean, he's, he's looks scared to shoot the ball. He's like a 50% three-point shooter. <laughs> you know, um, and, and so it's just, it's you go down guy by guy, and it, you know, it's like the old Bill Belichick thing, like do your job. Why yeah. are you on the court? What are you out here to do? Lock in and do it. And you just got to do it a little bit better, a little bit more consistently. That's what it's going to take because I mean, you can't expect Isaiah to come out and just get 30 every night and just be like he was against Oklahoma state in the second half. Right. That's not a realistic way to win games in this league. For sure. All right, man. I, uh, I know you're going to be traveling tomorrow, so be safe. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again after the game in Morgantown on Tuesday. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.